of faith. Notice this last phrase. He said, all the, the scriptures, all the things that were made known were made known for the obedience of faith. We have the amen corner back there on the back row, so I'm, that's good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Notice he says the obedience of faith. One thing that we have to realize as, as believers is the connection between faith and obedience. A lot of times we, we emphasize faith, but we don't emphasize the obedience part. Well, you know, Lord, I love you. Okay, then do, do what I say. Well, Lord, I love you. I really love you. And, and Lord, I just worship you. Okay, then do what I say. You know, the Bible says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Yeah. So how do we really know that we love? How do you know, you know, if just the basics and the simplicity of how do I know that, that you, how does someone know that you love your family? Well, you provide for them. And so people disobey, though, because of rebellion. People disobey because of rebellion. You know, when we look in the Old Covenant... And, and don't, don't think you know where this is going. Just, just hold on to your seat and, and, and be ready. But, you know, the Bible says in the Old Covenant, uh, rebellion was, a, was punishable by death. You know, just say if you had a son that was rebellious and, um, or a daughter that was rebellious and they, just, they never would um, respond, they never would change, you were to bring them out in front of the people and say, this is my son, he's rebellious, and they would be stoned to death. Now, that's not something you want to do as a parent. <laughs> so, but it, it was serious. Why? Because those kind of things can spread. Those things spread. And so, um, thank God we're living in the new covenant, but <laughs> God hasn't changed, though. You know, a lot of times people think that, that, you know, God's different than he was in the old covenant. Maybe his dealings were because we're under mercy and we're under grace, but that doesn't mean that he's, if he's a holy God in the old covenant, he's a holy God now. Yeah. If he's a loving God all through, then he's a loving God now. Yeah. But when we talk about this and we talk about the obedience of faith, it's important that we look at it uh, from both sides. Because why this is so important is because we don't want to have any bit of rebellion in our lives. We don't want to have any bit of when the Lord deals with us, we want to, to fully obey Him. Yeah. If you, Isaiah 119 says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. How do we know that we're um, going to experience God's best? Because we're going to be willing and obedient. Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Okay, go over here. Lord, everywhere except there. <laughs> so we have to be willing and obedient. But also, if you're obedient, you can, how many know you can drag your feet? Well, you know, kids can do that. And they can drag their feet. It's kind of like little Johnny, you know, they, they made him, you know, Johnny's uh, over in the corner. And they said, Johnny, you got to go sit in the corner. And he said, well, I may be sitting down, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> well, you know, that does no good. 
And so what God looks at is the heart. Yes. And we're, we're going to look at this in just a moment. Yeah. But what did, um, you know, after Saul had missed it, what did God tell uh, when they anointed David? He tried to choose all these different brothers. And, and um, anyway, they bring him out. And he said, don't look on the outward appearance for God looks not as man. He doesn't see like man sees for God looks on the heart. So what, what's God more interested in than anything? Not our perfection in the flesh, but our heart. And we can always have a perfect heart. Thank you, Lord. And so what we're, we're going to look at the very face of rebellion today. The face of rebellion. And we're, we're going to um, look at this in just a moment. But the thing we have to realize, and this is such a whole huge subject, and I'm going to try to compact it as, as much as I can today. But rebellion is the very nature of the devil. Why? The Bible says he had a place in God's kingdom. But what happened is he gave it up. He wanted, he wanted more. It wasn't enough for him. You know, even when David, remember when David um, committed adultery, the Bible said that um, the prophet came to him and, and said some different things. And he said, you know, I gave you this and this and that. And if it wasn't enough, I would have given you more. Wow. Look at the heart of God. Yeah. And so, uh, but as we said, rebellion is the very nature of the devil. He had a place, but it wasn't enough. He rebelled. You know, Adam was not even deceived. The Bible said so. Eve was deceived, but Adam knew better. He, he should have he run the enemy off. And so every curse, every death goes back to rebellion. Hallelujah. And so I want you to, to say this and get this in, firm in your spirit. I despise rebellion. I despise rebellion. I will not be disobedient. I will not be disobedient. You know, a, a lot of people see it as a mark of a, a you know, a strength or well, you know, I just got a rebellious streak, and, you know, I'm just um, born to be a rebel. A rebel with a cause. But see, it destroys people. It destroys people. There was a, um, there was a, um, like a documentary done with this one guy, and um, he was homeless. And, you know, you know, a lot of times you just think, you know, people are, you know, they're, they're, I don't even like using the word uh, luck, but they had hard luck or whatever some people say. Anyway, this guy, they wanted to do this experiment, this social experiment. So what they did, they gave him $100,000. And they said, hey, um, uh, we want to just see you know, this experiment. They didn't tell him what they were doing. But they gave him 100000 bucks. Now, who would like 100000 <laughs> Well, sure enough, they do this experiment, and they, they look and... Um, just a, a few months later, he had gone through the money, and he's back on the street again. And so they said, um, they interviewed the guy and said, hey, what is it about this that you, um, you know, you had this money, you didn't buy a vehicle, you didn't buy a place to stay, you didn't, you know, get a good job. And in this interview, three or four times, he piped up and said this and actually got animated about it. And it was about how he didn't like people telling him what to do. 
So, you know, he couldn't keep a good job because people would tell him what to do. I couldn't do this because people would tell me what to do. Amen. That's a rebellion. Say it again. I'm not rebellious. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says that the rebellious will live in a dry place. He's, the Bible says he puts a solitary in families, but the rebellious would dry, live in a dry place. Look at the children of Israel. What did they do? They rebelled against God continuously. And so what did, what did the Lord say? Hey, don't, don't go out and get the manna. Or he'd say, go get the manna these six days. And what'd they do? Don't go out on the seventh day. Well, they went out. Then he said, okay, on, the, on this day, um, you know, don't go out. And then what'd they do? They do exactly the opposite. Don't store it up. And then the one day he says, store it up. And then they go out. And so, uh, but, but don't judge them. Whenever we, we're, what we're going to talk about, don't judge them. Why? Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10 that these things were given as examples for us. Wow. Examples for us. You know, the Bible talks about don't murmur as they murmured, lest you be destroyed of the destroyer. Wow. And all these things are so we can look at ourselves and say, hey, that happened to them. It could happen to me if I'm not being careful. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. But one thing we have to do, you, and you can turn to the first Samuel 15. First Samuel 15. But we have to despise any bit of rebellion. That's why you, you can't allow it in, in children. You know, some people think it's cute, you know, like in, when kids are rebellious, but there's nothing cute about it. Right. It'll destroy them. Right. Yeah. But when's the last time, you know, rebellion is not something that you usually hear people say much of and admit to. Well, you know, I sure was rebellious on that. When's the last time you ever heard somebody say that? I heard a minister saying this one time. He said he was, he was teaching in a Bible school, and he was teaching about pride and humility. And um, he said the, the people, person after person, would come to him and say, um, you know what, since I've been taking your class, I've been having a lot of problem with pride. I never had any problem with pride in, until you've been teaching them. Man, I'm having trouble with it. And he went on to say, he said, you don't have any trouble with what you yield to. You don't have any trouble with pride if you yield to it. It's only when you try to do something about it. You know, it's just the same way if, if, someone, if someone is smoking, then they, they don't have any trouble with it as long as they're doing it. But when they try to quit, that's when they have the trouble with it. And, you know, that goes for area after area. We don't have any trouble with gossip if we're gossiping. Yeah. But it's when we try to stop and we think, oh, man, I got to quit that. I got to quit, quit doing that. It's only when we try to stop by the grace of God and thank God that the grace of God helps and delivers us. Amen. Hallelujah. But I want to look at this, and, and this is not for us to judge anybody but ourselves because this is so important. It, it, I've seen this, I mean... I'll, I'll tell you this, in my, all my years of walking with the Lord, this subject has been paramount and tantamount in my life and seeing the importance because I've seen it, because it affects not only the spiritual, but the natural. 
and um, just talking about pride and humility and obedience. But I want you to look at what, what um, 1 Samuel 15. Samuel also said unto Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. So what is this? This is the word of the Lord to him. Do you think he was confused? Do you think that he didn't know what God was really saying? Now, this was like, this was, to him, it was audible because the man of God was speaking it to him. Now, we have something better. We have the inner witness, and, and God, um, as he sees fit, will, will speak to us other ways. But here, we see Samuel is giving him the word of the Lord. Now, we know that, um, as we said earlier, it wasn't the will of God that Israel have a king, but God said, okay, I'm going to give you a king. And so they, they had give them Saul. And Saul didn't think much of himself in the beginning. He was hiding among the luggage, among the baggage. They had to go, hey, where's Saul? Well, we saw him here a few minutes ago where he's hiding. You know, he's off in the, in the baggage. They go and anoint him. I mean, he was, the Bible said he was like, you know, head and shoulders above anybody else. So he's a tall guy. And they anoint him. Well, Samuel um, comes to him. You know, he hasn't been king long. And he gives him this word. He says, go utterly destroy all they have. Now, I know that seems harsh. But with these people, they weren't going to serve the Lord. They weren't going to be saved, as we would say, under the new covenant, be born again. So they were only going to be a snare. But here's, here's, this was the word of the Lord. Slay them all. And then it says in verse 4, Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Tileam, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go depart, get you down from among the Malachites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And, small, and Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until he come to Shur, that is over against Egypt. <coughs> and he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. He did what? He took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. I thought the Lord had just told him. Spare nothing. He, he, utter, he said, you're to utterly destroy all. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep. Now we're going to see, the Bible says here that it was Saul and the people. And the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refuse that they destroyed utterly so in his mind he did the commandment of the Lord 
Then came the word of the Lord to Samuel saying, it repents me that I set up Saul to be king. God said that. God said, I wish I'd have never put him in there. For he is turning back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, he cried unto the Lord all night. I mean, think about this man of God. He, he loved Saul. Why? Because he, he cried for him. He was trying to pray. He was trying to change it. And it says, and when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel saying, Saul came to Carmel and behold, he set him up a place and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. What did he do? It says, Saul set him up a place. And as we see more and more, it's all about being before the people. Yeah. It was all about uh, setting up a parade. Yeah. Why? Because you, you, don't kill, you don't kill the king. You know, if you said, well, you know, we had a good army. We, we, we defeated the enemy. Well, where's the king? Well, you know, there is no king. You know, because God told him to, to, to kill everything. Well, there's no animals. There's no anything. So to, to Saul... It was all about making a parade, making a show. And now he sets up this place. And Samuel came to Saul and said, and Saul said to him, Blessed be thou the Lord. I have performed the commandments of the Lord. He knew he didn't. And Samuel said, What's that mooing I hear? What, what's, what's the sound of that? What, what's that sound? What, what means this? The, the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear. And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people. Now, he's the king. Now, as we saw in the, in, back here in verse um, 9... It was, it was him and the people. But something is conspicuously absent from this, and it's, it's Saul. I mean, he's the king. And so anyway, he says, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. We did it. We did the commandment of the Lord. You know, we... May have missed a couple of details, but you know, we basically did it. You know, we got the spirit of it, and that, you know, that's the important thing. We just got the spirit of what he said. Well, it is important to get the spirit of it, but this was very specific details. And it says, The the rest we have utterly destroyed. Verse 16. Then Samuel said unto Saul, I want you to stay right here. I'm going to tell you what the Lord told me last night. Now, if Saul had any sense, he'd be repenting right now. You have to understand that this, I mean, this was a very specific thing as the king. He wasn't just like a, a little person in the army. But here's the thing you have to understand. Saul's days as king 
right now is over. He's done. And he'll never get it back. So he says, let me, let me tell you what the Lord said. And he says, say on. Samuel said, when you were little in your own sight, were you not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed you king of Israel. And the Lord sent you on a journey. And said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but did fly upon the spoil and did evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have done it. You're going to make a little big deal about all this this little detail? I mean, you can see the face of rebellion. And he says, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag. What did the Lord tell him to do? Destroy all. And you've utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people, there he's, still, he's still blame shifting. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed. But you know, the reason we did it, because you know, we were just so glad that, that, that God gave us victory and we wanted to give a big offering to the Lord. You know, that's where some people would say, a big offering? A big offering? You know, well, why didn't you say so if it's a, for an offering? You know, he, he, tried to con, he tried to con Samuel with that. And it says um, in verse 22, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord... As great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. So what, what is God interested in in our lives? And this is not something to be upset and this is not something that, to be depressed about. This is something that we can be excited about. Yeah. That we can see, hey, I need to, I need to be obedient to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And we've all done this. We've all dragged our feet about different things, but... God wants us to obey quickly. What, what do we, we tell kids? Delayed obedience is disobedience. Obey and obey now. Why? Because what do we do? We're training them to obey the Lord quickly as well. So he said, Hath the Lord his great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. So what's he saying? You could give a big offering. You know, a lot of people do that. They say, well, you know, I'm not going to attend church, but I'll just send a big offering over there. God's not interested in you sending a big offering as much as he is obeying that you come to church. Of course, we're talking to people that didn't make it today. No. No, I'm just saying. God's more interested that we obey him. And so... Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. I mean, we see these big sacrifices. God loved the sacrifices. He accepted them. But he said, it's better to obey. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. 
Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected you from being king. But notice, this is something that's so important that we have to realize. How does God see rebellion? I mean, I could take, I could take a six-week Bible course and, and teach on this whole subject, but rebellion, God sees it like this, as is the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness. You know, a lot of people are proud of their stubbornness. Well, you know, I just, I'm, I'm stubborn. That's just the way I am. Well, it's nothing to be proud of. Well, because you'll be destroyed. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. So do we see it the same way as God sees it? What, you know, what if I came over? What, what if I came over to Dylan's house and, you know, I knocked on the door and, you know, we're supposed to um, work on a car because I, I don't know anything about working on cars, but he does. And so what if I showed up though and I see his car there and I think, well, somebody's here. And I go around and I, and I come around the side and the door's open. And there he is. He's got a rooster there. <laughs> he cut his head off. He's offering up blood. And, and he's throwing stuff and he's, he's chanting these different things. And he's practicing witchcraft. I mean, what would I think? I think, dear Lord, what's going on here? Well, what would somebody, what if somebody said, well, you know, that's, that's Dylan. He's just, you know, practicing a little bit of witchcraft. <laughs> that's the same thing as saying, oh, he's just a little bit rebellious. What? Now, what, what if I, what if I went over to Terry's house and I see Terry over there and and, and Terry's there, and uh, I knock on the door, and um, same thing, I see his vehicle there, but he's, he's around the back, and uh, the door's open, the window's open, and he's, he's bowing down to this rock, you know, and he's got symbols written on his head, and, you know, he's, he's bowing down to this rock, and he's worshiping. What would you think? Dear Lord, what's going on? You know, what's going on? With, what happened to Terry? He went crazy. <laughs> well, you know, what, and what if we said, well, you know, that's just Terry. He just, he worships idols sometimes and he just does that. That's the same thing as saying that he's just a little bit stubborn. That's the way God sees it. Amen. And so that's why we say, even with kids, we, we have to nip those things right away. And so he says... Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you rejected the word of the Lord, he's also rejected you from being king. And Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. Well, it's good he did say that. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in thy words, because I feared the people. Wrong. And obeyed their voice. Like we said, he's the king. He could have done whatever he wanted. He says, now therefore I pray you pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. You know what he's, here's the thing. Him going up with Samuel, Samuel was a prophet. 
He was a man of God. The Bible says that his words, he spoke the word of God, and none of his words fell to the ground. What does that mean? That means he was a man of God. People respected him. And so for Saul, Samuel going to the, the house of worship, it was the cherry on top of the pride cake. Him, you know, here he's got Agag. Here he's got this, the king, and he's got all these different things. He's doing this parade. He's showing when God told him, utterly destroy it. And now, on top of his pride and his deception, he's got Samuel there going up to the house of the Lord to worship. And notice he says, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. We're talking about the man of God who anointed him, the man of God who spoke the word of the Lord. He, he just says, you know what? I'm just, he just grabbed a hold of him and tore his garment. Such disrespect. And Samuel said unto him, the Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from you this day and hath given it to a neighbor of yours that is better than you. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. Then he said, I've sinned. Yet honor me now, I pray you, before the elders of my people. So what was this all about? It was all about what was just the people. I got to look good before the people. You know, do this, Samuel. Just, just, and who knows? Maybe he just kind of said it quietly and said, you know, I have sinned. And, um, you know, I've, I've done wrong. But just go up and worship with me. I mean, we don't know exactly how he did that. Then he said, I've sinned. Let me honor me now. I mean, it's, a t it's time to hit the deck. It's time to put your nose in the carpet. He says, I pray before those of my people and for Israel and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord your God. So, so Samuel turned again after Saul and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then Samuel said, bring me Agag. And it says, Agag said, surely the bitterness of death has passed. He thought, oh, I'm okay now. And then it says that Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord. So what, what about this can we get? That we don't want to be rebellious against the word of the Lord. That we don't want to be, uh, we want to be quick to repent. One thing that, that as a believer, if you want to hear the voice of God, if you want to follow the leading of God, you have to be quick to believe, you have to be quick to repent. <laughs> I heard the story, uh, Brother Hagen um, said one time that um, some guy was asking about this and some lady said, you know, Brother Hagen, I just want to ask you and say, um, so, you know, my folks, um, you know, they're, they're, or she said it like this, that her husband's folks, you know, they weren't the best church members. They, they barely, you know, attended church. But, you know, if, if they ever were done wrong or if they did someone wrong, they would be quick to forgive. They would do anything to make um, uh, restitution. They would be quick to believe and, and they would get healed and all this. And he said, but, but my folks are different. So but we'll forgive you because we have to. Yeah, but we're, we'll hold out to the end. And, um, but, you know, and you've never met uh, folks that, that 
don't believe the Bible, and it takes us forever to believe. And um, anyway, Brother Hagin said, well, just from, from knowing the Bible, actually before the, she even gave that explanation, he said, well, I bet you that, that your, um, your people and your folks are, are real slow to believe and slow to repent, and that his folks are not. She said, oh, that's exactly what it is. And so we have to be quick to believe, quick to repent. And, you know, a lot of people think, well, you know, it takes a long time to repent. But you can repent just like this. Just like this. You say, oh, God, forgive me. Hallelujah. Look over in James. Hallelujah. Notice um, James 4, verse 6 says, But he gives more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Who does God give his grace to? The humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, one thing, and this is, this is such an important part in my life, it has meant for 30-something years, but understanding pride in its effects and resisting it and getting it out of myself and understanding humility, what it is. You know, a lot of people don't understand it, and they have a false humility. They're actually proud of how humble they are. You know, it's kind of like the guy, he was given the pen and the little award for being the most humble person, but they had to take it away from him because he was proud of it. You know, and so, uh, but just understanding this because it is so important. Who is God close to? The Bible says in Psalm 138 that the, the proud, the Lord is close to the humble of heart, but the proud he knows afar off. It's kind of like this. Have you ever had something that was rotten and you grabbed it and you just held it at a distance? And you, you throw it in the garbage can or throw it outside? And, you know, that's the, way, that's the way pride is. It's like God, he still loves us, but we stink. You know, he's holding us like this. That's what he says. But he's close to the humble in heart, to the contrite heart. And so even if you've missed it, I mean, there's been times where I, in my own life, where, where if you miss it, what do you do? You repent and you cry out. You say, oh, God, have mercy on me. Forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Change me. Yeah. And then what, what does he do? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He restores us. He washes us. We stand up clean as though we never made a mistake. My righteousness is restored. Now I can pray. I can hear from God. I can minister to other people just like I never made a mistake. Amen. And that's what righteousness means. That's what righteousness means in right standing. But notice he says here, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Keep your place there. I'm just going to read one um, scripture over in Proverbs. Say this, I'm going to be obedient. I'm not going to rebel. Listen to what Proverbs 29 says. He that being often reproved hardens his neck 
shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. He that often being reproved, what does that mean? Being corrected. You know, you can, you can be tired of being corrected. But how many know the Bible says that whom the Father loves, He chastens. And so, of course, we know that God, the main way He chastens us and um, changes us is through His Word. And so He says, He that being often reproved hardens His neck shall suddenly be destroyed in that without remedy. What does that mean? The Bible says, judge yourself and you won't be judged. But, but people can get to the place where they, they harden themselves and something is, is going to come a day where judgment is going to happen, they'll suddenly be destroyed and you can't fix it. That's pretty serious to me. But look, look at um, verse 8. It says, draw nigh to God. I'm sorry, verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So how do, we, how do we resist the enemy's works in our life? We humble ourselves, we submit ourselves to God, and then we resist the devil. Many people are submitting themselves to the devil and resisting God. But resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Verse 10 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Hallelujah. So Saul in the Bible is, when you think of Saul, do you think of someone, and this, this is not to judge him, but when you, when you hear the name Saul, what do you think? Do you think of someone who was fully committed to God, who was sold out? No, most people think of him as being rebellious. Yeah, yeah. Amen. And so what God wants us to be is fully obedient. Yeah. Just like Miss Gail was preaching last night, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say, and I'll be what you want me to be. Yeah. Not my will, but thine be done. We know that God wants us to take territory in our lives, in our personal lives, in the ministry, but how do we do that? We do it by being obedient. Yeah. We do it by, by following God to the nth degree. And you know where obedience starts? In home, at home. Yeah. Obedience starts reading my Bible every day. Yeah. Obedience starts, yeah. and I believe that's one of the, the, the best ways we can safeguard ourselves yeah. to, to falling into to wrongdoing, to falling away from God, is number one, reading our Bible. Yeah. Reading my Bible. Say, read the Bible. And um, I, don't, I don't think we printed that out yet, but we're going to start um, just a chapter a day. How many think they can read a chapter a day? Oh <laughs> Amen. The rest of you, we're going to help you with that. But, <laughs> but we're going to just start reading as a church body one chapter a day. And, and I'm going to start in, we're going to start in the book of Acts. And then every day, Monday through Friday, we're going to read a chapter. Well, you might say, well, that's not a lot. But, you know, how easy is it to be by, like, Thursday this week, you realize, man, I've only read a couple scriptures this week. 
And then by then, you could have already read four chapters. You know, obedience, I want you to look at this last verse. I quoted it earlier, but look at Isaiah. Hallelujah. Like I said, when I'm preaching this message, I've, I've been chewing on this for two years, so whenever I preach messages, I don't preach to people or at people or at people, I should say, but I preach to people and minister to people. So, you know, I don't, I don't think of anybody when I'm preaching something, because every message can apply to you if you, yeah. if you let it. Look in um, Isaiah 1, verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. I heard a minister saying one time he was praying about, you know, the, the, the ministry, and he had always struggled. And he said that he was praying, he said, Lord, you know, why, why am I struggling? And he quoted this verse and said, Lord, you said if I'll be willing and obedient, I shall eat the good of the land. Why, why am I not? And, you know, it's okay to ask the Lord things when you, when you don't understand them. He said, the Lord said, because... Um, you don't qualify. He said, Lord, that's a low blow. He felt like the Lord, you know, hit him in the gut or something. He said, Lord, what do you mean? He said, well, you're only practicing half of that verse. He said, you, you've done what, what I've asked you to do, but you haven't been willing to do it. And so it's important that we be willing and obedient. A lot of people are willing all day long, but then they don't ever step out, though. So we have to step out at the same time. But it's not just enough that we be obedient. We have to be willing. Has anyone ever just gone through the motions of a thing? Anyone ever gone through the motions and you just, it's like your body was there, but no one was home. The lights were on where no, no one was home. And so... What God wants out of us is a, just a, and I see this, you know, ahead of, of what the River Church is, is, what God's calling us to do. God wants us to be fully committed to Him. He wants us to be on fire. He wants us to be fully committed that, that when He um, prompts us to do something, we do it with all our might. That's what I love about David. I mean, David, when he worshiped, he did it with all his might. When he did something, when he gave offerings, I mean, he, he, he gave billions when you, when you actually look at it in today's um, exchange. Yeah. And so that's what God wants is just a heart commitment. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why he doesn't compare us to one another. Yeah. God said, you know, the Lord said in um, Corinthians, he that compares himself with another is not wise. 
Because if I compare myself with somebody else, I wouldn't stand up here. If I compared myself to a lot of preachers, I wouldn't even, I would never stand up here ever again. Yeah. Why? Because I'd say, well, I'm definitely not like them. I, I can't preach like they do. I'm not as eloquent. I'm, you know, I don't. But God doesn't call us according to what someone else can do, but only what we can do. Can you say amen? amen. So if you be willing and obedient, say this, I'm willing. I am willing. I am obedient. I am obedient. And I'm going to eat the good of the land. I'm not going to refuse and rebel, rebel. but be obedient. obedient. So what happens if if you missed it and you see that you're in the wrong? Repent. You know how how simple that is? Lord, forgive me. I ask you to forgive me and wash me. Lord, I purpose in my heart that that I'm not going to go that way. And I turn around. That's what repent means, to, to change. Change your mind and your purpose. I repent and I turn around and I go this way. Lord, I was going north, but now I'm going to go south. And I follow you. Forgive me and cleanse me in Jesus' name. Amen. And and then what do you do? You receive your righteousness restored. I mean, that's good news. Amen. Amen. I I know what I used to be. I know how I used to be. But now I'm cleansed. And I like what last night in the word coming out, how we should every, every few months, like our pastor said, we just have to, to just change and, and yeah. change every three months. That doesn't mean your message changes, but it means that there has to be a, a work of the spirit in your heart yes. and to where people don't even recognize you. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at some people here on the front row that, that just in the last 10 months, unrecognizable the way they used to be. Amen. And that's what, that's what God, from glory to glory, from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we just thank you today for your word today, Lord, that it would Lord, challenge us today to step out into a new realm, to step into a deeper place. And Lord, we worship you, we magnify you. In Jesus' mighty name.